Welcome to Romancing the Gemstones, where we are completely bonkers about the Righteous Gemstones. I'm one of your hosts, Jamie G. Esquire, the fifth, a member of Baby Billy's Bible Bonker Boys. And I'm here with my co-host, Magnum Mills, to wrap up our coverage of season three. Magnum Mills, it's been a fun one, dude. And now that we've gotten some time to fully digest season three, how are you feeling about this thing? How am I feeling? How am I feeling? I feel like there's only one thing in the universe I'm absolutely positive about. It's time for Uncle Baby Billy to be back on the motherfucking TV. Thank you for watching or listening to Romancing the Gemstones, presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube or on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. Please do not forget to follow Uncle Baby Billy, whatever he does, wherever he goes. And don't forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps other people find our show, find our channel. We greatly appreciate it. If you had fun, give us that there thumb. Pretend you're giving it to Uncle Baby Billy. I think this is really obvious, but we're going to say it anyways, just so people don't like freak out on us for not warning them. But this is going to be a full spoiler affair going forward. Okay. All episodes of season one, season two, season three, anything related to the Righteous Gemstones could definitely come up in our discussion here. That concludes the obligatory spoiler warning. All right, Jamie G, let's call the captain and take care of some business right at the top of the episode here. We're going to apply our patented Ron's Left Evaluation System to season three of the Righteous Gemstones, the overall the whole dang thing. Jamie G, when it comes to the season, are you romancing it? Is it a one night stand? Are you swiping left? I gotta be honest with you, buddy. I'm romancing it, and and I'm I'm like romancing it hard. I'm I'm showering daily. I'm taking out the trash. I'm shaving regularly. I, you know, I'm I'm really. That sounds more like living than romancing, but whatever you got to do. Well, you know, I mean, you get what I'm saying here, right? But I mean, yes, I'm absolutely romancing this thing, and uh, I, I think it's I think it's worthy of it, man. I really do. Its highs were very very high. You know, it took a little bit kind of to get there, but that's what we've expected, you know, kind of up like pre-flashback episode is, is you know, good, but then it goes from good to like really great, you know? So it's kind of, for me, I got to romance it. I'm right there with you. I'm also going to romance it. I think it might be my favorite season. And even if it's not, I will say everything, every episode after interlude three, that's my favorite stretch of episodes that the show has ever done. So kind of hard not to romance it when they're really, you know, really looking good at the end that last look out the door it's like ooh, we suck it well before we get into the specifics and hand out some awards for season three let's do something that the gemstones struggle with and talk about your feelings did season three meet the expectations you had going in magnum mills riding off that high of season two i think it did i think we've kind of touched on this a little bit already that it did start out a touch slow you know, I, I like the first few episodes fine. I think the interlude three was kind of the weakest of the three flashbacks. But man, they really hit the gas in the back half there. They did a lot of stuff we wanted, right? We've got a lot of Uncle Baby Billy. Love that. We got some development from Gideon and some of the other kids. That was nice. You got to see Kelvin and Keith finally kind of get together. You know, I think there was real progress made here, which was kind of what I was looking for. And it was still, you know, very funny. and Some more cool action sequences I hadn't kind of expected. You know, wild kind of locust plague, super duper monster truck. I think a lot of cool stuff here. So I think, yeah, they actually at least met my expectations and probably exceeded them in some ways. How about yourself? I would agree 100%. I mean, I thought season two was better than season one. And I was like, man, that was really good. I had, I mean, expectations, I wouldn't say sky high, but they were 
they were pretty high, man. So I, I definitely, you know, expected this to be great. It did start off a little bit slow. There was a couple of whiffs, I think, where, you know, I think they kind of missed the ball a little bit with like, I don't know, that opening shot of Maymay, like trying to kill Amy Lee and it like went like horror story. I think it was just a cool shot and they're like, we're going to keep it. It probably, we probably could have did without it, but these, these are nitpicking where they went post flashback episode and how this thing ended was some of the best television that you can watch. It was fantastic, hilarious, entertaining, great, like everything hit on all cylinders. So for me, two giant thumbs up. Yeah, I would say that maybe this one focused a little bit more on the, the personal relationships in the previous two seasons. You know, there was still some stuff with the church, but it was more about kind of their inner politics. He had the thing with the Simpkins and Dusty, but that was almost... You know, it was just something that kind of showed up at the first episode in the last episode a little bit. It was really yeah. kind of more all about the gemstones themselves and kind of, you know, maybe making up for the past mistakes and, and that kind of thing, but not as much kind of, you know, the machinations of who's going to take over the church and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they were running it, but you know, they talked about it a little bit, but it felt like the preseason season spent a lot of time about kind of establishing, you know, where the gemstones succession. were as far as the other, yeah. the churches and then the succession stuff within the family and everything. And it felt to me this season, they lean more into kind of the personal stuff. But I think it worked. I do like all the, the church stuff, but, you know, you got more baby Billy. You built us a throne room. So they're off to a good start on those points. Dude, and we got we got BJ Barnes, son. I mean, come on. We got great BJ. Judy was was as good as it gets. The emergence of BJ is a real deal for me, man. Like, I, I love BJ. He just, he helicoptered, dude. It was in a very strange, weird well, he helicoptered after bizarre. he was in the, the other side. He was on the other side of that dogfight before. He was. He was. Yeah, I mean, wild. And that's one thing they did get is Judy has such a unique energy that it's hard to for her. She doesn't always work in scenes with everybody because she is kind of a little bit over the top. And BJ is like the perfect like counterbalance, the perfect foil for her. And they really leaned into that this season. And they're just so good together. They're like the Alpha and Omega, literally, like the yin and the yang. They're kind of the opposites attract the whole thing, and it just works really well. Well, Mills, I want to thank you and the fine folks down at Frank's Sweatshop for pumping out some righteous merchandise for me this season. I loved it. I believe we offered 37 different options throughout the season. In a row? It's nice to have a wide selection, but we probably need to scale back the options for mass production. How is this going to work at Frank's Sweatshop? Well, I mean, if, you know, kid gets hurt or they, you know, they lose a hand or a foot, you just toss it in the soup. But, you know, those things kind of stay in Vietnam. Uh, overall, as far as the merchandise thing, pretty simple. We started with 37. Out of those, we each ranked our top 10. Then we averaged those together to get our top five. We're going to start at the bottom, work our way up. And we actually had a tie for number four. Uh, first, we have the Uncle Baby Billy's Bible Bonkers shirt. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it. That's from episode three. And then we have Drive. It's actually the uh, poster of the Ryan Gosling Drive movie, but it's got Gideon on there instead on the t-shirt. That's from episode two, also tied at number four. Up at number three, we have Who Are You, Dark Man? That's from episode five, interlude three, that bit when Jesse goes into the school to attack the kid who's picking on uh, Judy or whatever, and he's got the, the Dark Man mask on and everything, and the, the FUBU, very, very good stuff. At number two, we got a, finally got a Baby Billy t-shirt, another one in here. We got Hush Now, I'm Your Daddy. That's from episode nine, the season finale, from that little speech he gives them the pep talk back in the locker room uh, before the taping of Bible Bonkers. And then at number one, probably not going to be a big surprise, this one's from episode six, and it is Amy Lee is up in here. 
up in here a little dmx crossover i uh, love that got the hologram amy lee and the uh, dmx album so very good stuff there can't can't wait for that crossover I'm, I'm there for that concert no doubt and let's go through the characters and well before we do though mills i gotta say out of the 37 that was harder than you think to pick the top five i'll just i'll just put that there's some really good options out there uh but but let's move on let's go through the characters and major plot lines from season three and see if there's anything we want to discuss here that maybe we uh fell short on throughout the season how about the outside stuff all right the, the simkins they were easy right other than uh the main dude vance i think played by stephen dorf we got him at the the cape and pistol a little bit other than that yeah. all the other the other two siblings were basically there for the one kind of race car scene at the beginning and then the bible bonkers at the end so it made him kind of a little bit of a, a red herring were you okay with that they kind of teased him and then just wound up not being anything yeah, I, I think so, because it kept you guessing a little bit about where they would go with this. And to be honest, I don't think they really needed it. I think there was enough there with the Judy and the Steven thing and the BJ. Right, what do you cut out to like give backstory for the Simpkins family and everything yeah. like that? It probably would have thrown a little bit of a wrench in the works as far as the flow. I just don't think it would have been good. I'm glad that they incorporated the bull over there at the, the Cape and Pistol. I think it added another face and kind of kept it alive enough. And yeah, I'd like them to be recurring. Time. They could show up like one episode every season or something like that to randomly yeah. cause trouble. That'd be fine. I, I agree. I, and I think I think that it paid off with the Bible bonkers in that in the last episode, you know, in the in the final there. I think that, you know, where you finally get them and they're in the, you know, they're squaring off uh with, with the gemstones. If they only used them two times all season and we got that, it was worth it. Yeah, I agree with you there. I did enjoy them. I thought they were great. Just a little bit of a kind of a little bit of a pump fake. We thought maybe they're going to be a major part of the season. Uh, the Montgomerys were a major part of the season. You know, you had good old Peg like Pete over there. You made me and then our, our cousins, favorite cousins from Cousins Night, Chuck and Carl. You know, they had the whole thing with the militia and the bombs and everything like that. At the end of the day, how did you feel about the Montgomerys? Did they, did they wind up working for you overall, even if it was maybe a little bit of a rough start in that opening scene of the season with May May kind of, you know, stalking uh, Amy Lee? I think it did, but, you know, they got a lot of play. They were a huge part of the storyline, and it needed to work. And I think they cast really well here. I think all four of them, the ca they cast perfectly, particularly Chuck and Carl. It just made it... It gave a softness to this whole thing that made it work, and Peter to a certain degree too. So I really, I really think they nailed the casting. All in all, I think it worked, but I think it was a dangerous game because they were so heavily involved. If that thing doesn't work, this season's not as good as it as it as it could be. Yeah, you kind of have to buy into everybody and the whole thing with the you know the purchase and the survival kits and it developing into this big feud. Really, Chuck and Carl were highlights, and May May had some killer lines too. I especially loved her little. Uh, she was willing to punch someone right in the throat meat, like no surrender, no hesitation, just chop you right in the throat meat. Uh, she got Judy a couple. Excuse me, she got Judy a couple times, I believe. I really enjoyed that. She had some good one-liners. The Eli, uh, Steve Zahn was doing good work as Peter. He's kind of fun. He's always kind of got that little nervousness, like you know, put upon dude who's always trying to act tough and everything. It's really kind of his specialty, I think. And he really nailed it with Peter. But you're right. I mean, Chuck and Carl were kind of all-stars. You still had to root for him, right? They had to, like, potentially be bad guys. You see him betraying the gemstones. And you still kind of had to root for them to come back to the good side. And and I definitely was. I, I loved all their stuff was really great, especially Carl. Just, I mean, just like, a you know, the world's biggest teddy bear, basically. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I mean, did the... You know, maybe it was a little bit of a, 
I don't know what you want to call it. Maybe a little bit of a fizzle with the, the bomb plot. You know, it was going to be a big deal with the militia. And then, you know, he drives away with the bomb and kind of looks like he blows himself up and he doesn't. Did that work out okay? I mean, they built a lot up with the stealing and the fertilizer. And it really didn't impact the plot really overall, other than it just kind of putting a, you know, a little bit of a, a dividing factor in the militia here to split them up a little bit. What's crazy about it is it wasn't as big of a, as a swing and a miss because right before that happens, you get this insane moment with the locusts. And so it's like, that was like the big deal. And then it was kind of made that whole plot line a little bit of an afterthought because you have this crazy situation with the locusts to where it was just kind of like, eh. And then it's like, oh wow, now everyone's together and like loving and stuff. And it's like, now Peter's gonna sacrifice himself. So I, I think it worked, but only because of the timing of it like it, it it made it almost invalidated it a little bit because of the locust scene right for me at least where it was like it, i wasn't really needing it to pay off and deliver because we just had this crazy scene with bible bonkers and a tornado and locusts coming in and like it, it was wild right so for me i think it kind of overshadowed it in a good way yeah i want to be a more of the denouement than the actual climax with the locust thing being kind of the yeah. climax and what also worked for me is it looked like they were going somewhere with it, you know, that Peter had this grand plan. And then you see the breakup with the militia and they're like, you can keep all that. We don't even care. We just want to like take the money and go protest the statue protesters or whatever. Yeah. I like that they didn't care about it either. And that made it easier for me not to care about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just Peter. That's his idea, like getting all buying all the survival buckets. He's a he's a planner, right? He's one of those guys. He's got these grand plans and they never work out. And so that seemed true to the character. So given all those factors i didn't mind that it really didn't turn out to you know really make a, a determining factor one way or the other except pete's got his peg leg <laughs> he's got his peg leg old peg leg pete dude uh great t-shirt too now let's move on to jesse's kids we had gideon I, I mean obviously a hell of a driver right with the with the neck not being able to turn i'd trust that guy driving me anytime if you got gideon as an uber driver how happy would you be right uh, so, so Gideon, um, but now the move to maybe become a preacher. I think that gives something heading into season four. That's pretty cool. Of course, we saw Pontius, and then you know all the all the back and forth with him and and Jesse this season. Then he ends up in the military school. That's very cool. And then we've got we've got Abraham, which I expect something will happen next season with him. Thoughts on Jesse's kids here? Gideon was a little bit weird in that. I remember after the, the, it was at the end of the first episode or the second episode, he had that huge uh, the chase sequence driving Eli and everything like that. We we're like, wow, Gideon's going to be a major player this year. And then he was basically in one scene and episode until we got to, you know, maybe seven or eight. But then he got another crazy scene driving the Redeemer. I mean, he got yeah. easily two of my best scenes of the season. And I really like the way the actor played it. I don't think they've known what to do with him since his kind of plot arc about, you know, doing the, the kidnapping, the fake kidnapping ransom thing at the beginning or whatever, the blackmail on Jesse in the beginning of season one. Since then, he's kind of just been all over the place. I think all the kids are, and they did a good job of giving him direction here. You know, now that they're all kind of proud of Gideon, this might set up a little bit of conflict if he's going to get kind of mentored by Eli. You know, Pontius is obviously going to be pissed with his face tattoos at military school, and Abraham's just going to probably keep, you know, whacking it all over the house until he gets a little bit older. Still might after that, who knows? This is probably the best season for the kids 
not that they figured it all out, but I think they've got there with it more than they ever had in any of the other seasons. So I, I, I appreciate They weren't annoying, part. which is, you know, for the, right. you know, Gideon's a little bit older, but once you're dealing with teenage kids or adolescents or whatever, in TV shows, I would say more often than not, they, they're more of a hindrance than a help. You're just, they get a little couple of funny scenes and it's just like, all right, enough with the damn kids already, kind of. Yeah. And they, I didn't feel that, it didn't have that here. When they were, they were on screen, they were generally very funny. We got to talk about the the big reveal, dude. Kelvin and Keith sitting in a tree, K I S S I N G. We finally get it. It looks like they're going to be taking their their relationship to the next level. I was particularly thrilled to see this happen because I didn't. I I thought they took it as far as they could. They took the sexual innuendos, especially with the smut buster thing, which was a hilarious plotline actually and a good use of Kelvin and Keith. But they took it as far as they possibly could. I think they needed to do it, and I'm glad they did. Yeah, and it would have felt like kind of like a cop-out if you had them be with someone else. It would have felt maybe that they're just kind of just spinning the wheels and waiting to the, the final season or something like that. You're right. They just had to make this move. And I'm sure it'll be hysterically awkward going forward. I'm not ready yeah. for them to all of a sudden, like, it all be peaches and cream. I want them to be happy together, but I'd like it to still to still kind of have their kind of awkward, crazy, weird chemistry and, and apply it to other things, even if it's just them now making people even more uncomfortable with like overtly public displays of affection or something now. You know, who knows? There's a lot of ways they could go with it, but I, I did like that they did really seem to get somewhere in some level of maturity that even in the end, they decide to give up the smut busting even, right? They're like, you know, maybe we should just like let people do what they want to do behind closed doors in their own homes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. plus, Keith, you know, dude, when you burn butt plugs, I mean, that smoke is not good for you. Keith definitely pointed that out. It's, it's ugly, it in. it's nasty. You do not want to breathe that in. Very bad, even even unused. Yeah, I, I'm glad for it. And, and honestly, for the first time ever, I'm actually excite, excited about Kelvin heading into the next season because we have this storyline with Keith. Like, Kelvin without Keith, whether they're in a relationship or not, is a really bad place. So he needs Keith. I think from a character standpoint, this has me more excited than I think I would be going into a season normally. Yeah, he's always had the least to do with the Gemstone siblings. It's kind of the least well-defined in terms of, you know, because he doesn't have any other family, really doesn't have kids, he doesn't have a spouse. His career goals are kind of more nebulous. You know, Judy wants to be on stage and singing, uh, Jesse wants to run everything, and he just kind of wants to, to be cool, right? Yeah. It just doesn't seem like he had a ton of direction here. And so I think this will help to give him a little bit more of a purpose and, uh, you know, just a little bit more overall stuff to do going forward. How about the other couple, dude? Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's save our fun one. How about Jesse and Amber? We're going to save the other two. I mean, they both got some nice development here. We got to meet young Amber in the flashback. She's doing her thing with the system. I mean, overall, professionally, she probably had the most consistent season. She seemed to be doing very well at work from the beginning right through the end of the season. So shout out that. She seemed to get the home life in order. You know, not a ton of screen time. Maybe didn't get quite as many zingers as, you know, some of the other characters did. But definitely thought Amber did well. And, you know, and again, Jesse really came into his own in the second half of the season. Yeah, I, I think for Amber, again, really nice to see that backstory with a young Amber. But I, I think they, they finally found something with her. Instead of just kind of being like this piece that doesn't belong, that's just basically riding Jesse's name, right? Now all of a sudden she came out with the system. She was like the one stable thing inside the Gemstone Empire this season, right? And so that was really cool to see. Jesse's just outstanding. 
Uh, this this may have been his best season. I just, you know, they continue to, it doesn't grow old and they continue to use him in different ways. I mean, the sideburn chops, as, as silly as that was, it was so funny. He's a one-line machine. I love this. And I love that their dynamic, at times they were aligned, but at times they also had some, some trouble. And we saw some of that early in season one, season two. This time they were kind of like this, this power unit, but we did see them start to kind of fray a little bit. Um, and so that was cool for, for the development of the show too. Yeah, mostly I think because at some point Jesse was a little bit of, you know, success she was having. And he even said that when he apologized to her, like she was doing her thing with the system. Yeah, it might be kind of a little bit stupid or whatever, but it was working. And you could argue that nothing else that the the gemstones as a, you know, a church were doing was working. They were losing money. Attendance was declining. You know, she was one of kind of the the bright shining stars at that point. And you could tell it kind of made them a little bit uncomfortable. But, you know, when they do a line, you see why they work well as a couple together. And I think that's really important too especially because danny mcbride is is just kind of such a singular actor and you all kind of you know who he is and you get an idea kind of you know these characters aren't all the same but they come from a similar place and they have similar mannerisms and not everyone can play off of that and the actress who plays amber does it really well completely agree all right man how about the uh the other couple man we we talked about them a little bit judy and bj how about the affair plot right that was i would say a giant chunk of their plot line was Judy having that affair with uh, Steven with the Sugar Ray looking dude and then all of the fallout from that all the way up through the, the big dog fight. Did you like how they did that this season? Kind of broke them apart right at the beginning and then brought them back together at the end theoretically stronger than ever. Yes. It paid off a thousand percent over for me. I love the fact that they made the affair just dry humping and making out. I just, that's, it's, that was so great that it wasn't like a full-blown raunchy type affair it was just and then you got bj where you think you could just dry hump my wife i mean just so funny dude i i thought this also elevated bj to a to a stratosphere he has not been and it is awesome it, the, sh- the show is better off for it i also really enjoyed some of the stuff that that came of it with the new character with steven and his wife i mean that one fight scene was like it wasn't exactly like a kill bill fight scene uh between him and his wife but it was up there when she smashes the thing um so i i thought this this affair and revenge plotline it basically went the entire season but i thought it was worth it definitely got some of my biggest laughs from this plotline again shout out uh steven and uh, his wife great casting there for supporting characters steven was basically hysterical every time he's on screen from the kind of the first episode where you see him kind of making out and then he's still kind of trying to pursue judy at the restaurant he's texting her and they go in for the settlement and he fights bj then he intimidates bj at tennis every time steven was on the screen it worked in it could be not so easy when you're trying to play a real kind of douchebag character like that it's really easy to hate him like oh man this guy's a douche and i, I can't say that i was rooting for steven but i wasn't particularly rooting against him either you know you especially saw his wife treat him and everything i don't think he would have had a healthy relationship with judy but it was still kind of fun to just watch him just basically watch his life kind of fall apart and try to grasp onto anything you know his life was such a mess that judy gemstone seemed like a nice stable option you know, what What kind of, where do you have to be in your life to do that? You know, I guess it could be worse. He'll probably just join a Sugar Ray cover band and make a living out of it, hopefully. Well, and, and didn't it for the first time feel like they really, it gave Judy her own platform to kind of be the superstar that she is on the show? 
it, it kind of felt like she needed something to kind of like stand on her own. And this right, this like a plot that didn't revolve somehow around the other gemstones. Absolutely, yeah. Just, yeah, because her and BJ had that. a little bit of stuff, but it was more about him not being accepted and then being kind of very different and everything. And this was a lot more personal and also showed that they do really deep down actually love each other. Yeah, man. Now, good stuff all the way around. Let's move on to Papa Bear here. How did we think feel about Eli? That's really it. I just wanted more Eli. And I could see how with bringing in the Montgomery's and kind of beefing up this Judy and BJ plot line, I, I could see how it would be difficult to maybe give Eli as much screen time and importance as he had. It just felt like half the scenes were with May May kind of, you know what I mean? He would, he didn't interact with the kids as much as I would have liked. I would like more Sunday brunches, you know, more kind of a little bit one-on-one -on -one here talking to Jesse, talking to Judy, talking to Kelvin, that kind of thing. And it seemed like they decayed once an episode, all right, it's time to go see Eli fishing or whatever. And then he'd have a conversation with May May and then maybe one other little scene. And, and that was about it. So I just really wish there would have been more, but I get the idea why they had to do it. You know what I mean? The whole idea is when the kids are going to take over and that has to start happening at some point. I would just say hopefully that maybe him kind of mentoring Gideon is a way to get him back in the mix a little bit next year. Yeah, I think so too. And they also, you know, I think they were hesitant to bring in a side character that was going to directly impact Eli and Eli alone, like Eli's big secret, kind of like they did in season two. So I think bringing in the Montgomery's, you got a little bit of it, but it created a larger uh, stroke, of a broader stroke of being able to involve the other characters too. And so, you know, I think they struggled a little bit with Eli. So that, yeah, that's really my only bone to pick. I would have liked more of them. That leaves us to the legend, the myth, one of the greatest characters ever created. He's your mentor now, Uncle Baby Billy. Well, let's not tell Tiff short. Tiff was great. She didn't get a lot to do. Absolutely love Tiff, like a weird voodoo doll thing, playing the piano. Uh, they kind of the bit their opening scene in, in the penthouse in the first episode I, I thought tiff was great and shout out to wee baby lionel did not get a lot to do i just remember when uh baby billy shows up after the kids got kidnapped and he's got lionel in the stroller and he just pushes him when he walks in just like shoves the stroller down the hallway and keeps walking so um hopefully your new uh brother sister there or whatever lionel is going to help take care of you more than your parents but oh i mean tiff was trying but baby billy not so much i have to just I mean, just awesome. The best season of Uncle Baby Bill, you think? Yeah. I mean, he was he's he's always great, but I think the whole Baby Billy plotline here with the bonkers, Bible Bonkers took it to another level. Took it to that cousin night, like all that, like every he didn't get a ton. That's what's crazy, but everything he got, he excelled. You know, he excelled. So I just yes, I, I think it is. Yeah, I would watch that spinoff. I mean, I would watch an Uncle Baby Billy spinoff. I would actually watch Bible Bonkers. I, I wouldn't know the answers to any of the questions. I would still watch it as long as they had Walton Goggins in character as Uncle Baby Billy doing it. I, I can't think of anything that didn't work. The hologram thing, the mentor thing. The, the man can do no wrong. The, the singing, the, the 24 shows a day or whatever he was doing down Zion's Landing. The, the Payday song, the Bible Bonkers song. I mean, the man, I mean, he shits gold. If you can't see that, it's on you. Yeah. He might have even said something about that. Uh, now that we've discussed the characters, it's time for the Righteous Ratings.
This is how we're going to determine our season MVP. Magnum Mills, please explain how it works. All right, dude. Same as we did on every episode, we rate the characters in five categories from one to five points each, with one being worst, five being the best. We average the results together to determine who won the season. The categories are getting shit done. Pretty self-explanatory. Did they get shit done this season? Their home life. How are things with the family? How are the relationships? Their career goals. How are things going at work? How is the career going? Don't be a fuck up. Again, very simple. Just avoid fucking up. And finally, the funny factor. Did they make you laugh this season? And since this is the final one, the wrap up, we're going to do them all. All right. Down at the bottom, at number 14, we have Peter Montgomery. Sorry, Pete. At least you lived. At 13, we have the Simpkins family. Did not do a lot. At number 11, we have a tie between some of the Montgomerys. We got a tie between Chuck and Carl and May May. Getting into our top 10, at number 10, we have Eli Gemstone. Kind of middle road it here, right down the, right down everything. Just kind of middle of the road. Not a great season. Not a bad season for Eli. Then we had a three-way tie at number seven between Judy, Keith, and Kelvin. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. Keith and Kelvin, they're so close together. So basically, they are exactly the same. Judy was definitely hysterical, but she did definitely fuck up during the season. Job wasn't so great. Home life was a mess. Definitely got it under control towards the end, but that kind of knocked her down a bit. Moving into our top five, we had a tie between a couple of our favorite spouses there. We had a tie between Amber, who was basically great everywhere, just not the funniest character, didn't get a lot of huge laughs this year, and BJ. BJ was pretty much great, but he, again, had some trouble with the home life, with all the stuff going on with Judy cheating on him and getting intimidated. Uh, you know, he barely won that dog fight with Steven. Still makes it in our top five, though. Big come up from where he was in previous seasons. Then we had a tie at number three. Yeah, maybe this is the biggest surprise on here. We have Tiff. Tiffany comes all the way up in a tie at number three. Really was a very solid season. Maybe didn't get the most shit done and maybe wasn't the funniest, but a very consistent character. Also at number three, we have Gideon. Just lacked the laughs, man. That man got stuff done. Home life's on the come up, career's on the come up. Dude did not fuck up once the entire season that I can think of. Just didn't get a lot of funny lines. He kind of got a little ooey sucker. Great action scenes, just not hysterical. At number two, not a big surprise. On a heater at the end of the season, we have Jesse Gemstone. Yeah, he fucked up a little bit, but at the end of the year, he's in good shape with the job, the home life. He definitely got shit done, and he was hysterical. And finally, at number one, just edging out Jesse, is our man, Uncle Baby Billy. Absolutely killing it in the home life. He's getting shit done. He is hysterical. Only thing is he took a little bit of a knock on the job front because Bible Bunkers, who knows what's going to happen there. There was a legitimate locust plague situation. People died. Uh, not sure if that's going to get picked up. And we don't know what happened with the loner hologram thing he got. So that can wind up costing him a couple bucks or maybe getting him a little bit of trouble with the wrong people. But, you know, it's us, dude. Any surprise here, Jamie G? I mean, Uncle Baby Billy up top, Jesse second. Anybody really stick out for you? I think it kind of tracks where I thought it would you know, just based on how the season unfolded. So, um, you know, for a while there, we were on a stretch where, like, Uncle Baby Billy could do no wrong, and then we kind of saw him slip just a little bit. But, yeah, I, th I think it tracks, man. I, this was a, It was fun to do all year, and I think it ended where it should. 
Yeah, I think you're trying. It was just a matter of Jesse finally getting his shit together, too. Yeah, pretty much. He got his shit right together just as the only couple of things went wrong for Baby Billy. You remember Baby Billy just rising out of the woods outside of the Cape and Pistol House? Just like, psh, ain't so secret if I know about it. It just came out of the woods, man. Uh, boy, I'll kick your ass. Kick your ass now. Beat your ass red. Beat your ass red. Beat your fat ass red now. <laughs> uh, Mills, keep your mathematics handy because it is time to drop a gem on him. Once again. Once again. That's right. We're going to give out our top 10 quotes of season three. One more time. Magnum Mills, break down our process. All right, here's the deal. We I narrowed it down to 61 quotes, and then we each ranked all of those, and then I averaged the results together. We were going to do a top 10, but the way it worked out, we wound up doing a top 12. So without further ado, just going to kick it off right here at number 12 from episode six. We have Judy talking to Martin. Dang, Martin. <laughs> Feeling vibes like... Like I'm the teenage girl going to the abortion clinic in secret with her male best friend from theater department. Uh, Judy, that sounds like a real thing that probably happened to you. Tied at number 12, we got our man, Uncle Baby Billy from episode three talking about the being famous train. Everybody that's famous knows that true famous people go through different phases on the being famous train. I'm an international known talent. I deserve a mainstay, not singing for a bunch of basic Christian sun bums. At number 11, this was one of Jamie G's favorite, one of my favorite. We love this one from our man BJ in episode six, telling everybody that he's Benjamin Jason. I'm Benjamin Jason. There you go. I'm there for my wife emotionally, spiritually, and freaking sexually. I get rock hard whenever she needs it. You think you're some hot body home wrecker? I'll wreck your fucking face. Benjamin Jason, dude. BJ Barnes, he's on one into our top 10 at number 10 we have his nemesis steven from episode four talking about the map of hawaii i dry humped her till i came had the fucking map of hawaiian islands all down my slacks and you know what we're having so much fun with bj and steven we're going back to them at number nine from episode six when bj says just don't think i can move through life knowing that a guy named steven did this to me i don't know why that was so funny it was just absolutely so hysterical to me. It shouldn't be that funny, but it, it really is. I have that as my second favorite quote of the entire season. At number eight, this is one of Jamie G's favorite from the first episode of the season when Jesse's talking about cookies. Sugar cookies ain't real, bitch. That's a detail I made up to sniff out the rat. She made crescent, son. You're the only one I told sugar cooks to, you fucking snitch. Shout out sugar cooks and crescents. So that sounds like a... A weird album by like Sponge or something or Smashing Pumpkins from the 90s. Now, tied for number six, right back to Jesse again. This one's from number five. It was my favorite quote of the season. And that yeah! is what you call a moist maker. My monster truck is the fucking tent. Tied at number six, we're back to Judy from episode five. Look at you. Just regular ass shopping mall clothes. At number five, into our top five, you know we got to go back to our man, Uncle Baby Billy, talking about his job. You think you can ship me off to paradise, make me sing by a pool all motherfucking day, getting a suntan, drinking pina coladas for free, living in a penthouse, huh? No. Uh, Baby Billy's still trying to figure out what the problem with any of that is. At number four, 
We've got Steven, and this is a good one from episode two when he's talking to Judy. I'd leave my family in a second if I can have you. I'd murder them. I believe you. Okay, I have long known that I can drive men wild with the power of this pussy, or even just the promise of this pussy. But like, marriage ruining shit, homewrecker shit, that's a hell no from me, dog. Me and you? Uh-uh, I don't wanna see you no more. Man, Judy, absolutely killing it. Now at number three, you know we're going back to our man, Uncle Baby Billy. This is from episode six and with Jamie G's number one quote of the season. Well, you change your mind, I'll just unplug your mama and I'll sell her to one of them sex shows over in Bangkok. Now, them boys will hack a program real quick, make your mama do all kinds of nasty stuff. You dirty dog. The DMX of it all just adds to it. At number two, this one crept up on me. We didn't get a lot from the uh, the premiere, but here we go from episode one of the season. Nice little exchange between Judy and Jesse. Is this because of the goddamn shitty poll numbers? Which shitty poll numbers, Jesse? The ones that were 85% said you're colder than a fucking ice cube shoved up a polar bear's asshole? I remember those same pollsters saying that your songs are when most people at church go to take a shit. I'm really curious to what kind of questions they're asking in these polls because I was not part of the, uh, the polled audience on that one. Finally, at number one, I had this at nine. Jamie G had it at two. This is from episode four. And of course, it's Judy. And, and she's talking about Cousin Carl. Carl's presenting like a straight up cunt smasher now. Oh. <laughs> that also would have been a good name for the monster truck, I think, if they weren't going to go with Redeemer. Any thoughts on the, the quotes here, Jamie G? Anything uh, stick out for you? I mean, obviously, the Baby Billy quotes were fantastic. The, the Judy quotes were amazing. Again, I got to give a shout out to my boy, BJ, man. BJ Barnes, son. He stepped up and worked himself into some high quality quotes. I mean, had we had we bet at the beginning of the season, like, hey, do you think BJ will be in the top 10 quote? But the answer would probably been no, right? But he made his way there. So I just got to shout out my boy, BJ Barnes. Since we just dropped a gem on him, we've got our jeweler's loops handy here. Let's review our episode grades from season three before we give a grade to the season as a whole. Take it away, brother. All right, with the maths. Basically, as we've kind of alluded to, we thought the season got better as it went along. Episode one, for I know the plans I have for you, I gave it an 8.0. Jamie G gave it an 8.3, so that's 8.15 overall. Episode two, but Usao ran to meet him. I gave it 8.4. Jamie G was higher than this one, 9.0. That's 8.7. Number three, episode three of the season was For Their Nakedness Is Your Own Nakedness. I had that one at 8.7. Jamie G at 9.2 for an overall of 8.95. At number four, episode four, I have come not to bring peace, but a sword. I had that one at 8.9. Jamie G at 9.2. So 9.05 overall. Episode five was interlude three, not as high on that one, but not super low. I had an 8.5. Jamie G had an 8.6. So that's an average of 8.55. Episode six for out of the heart comes evil thoughts. I had that one at 9.0 flat. Jamie G at 9.3. So that's a 9.15. Like I said, we're getting on a little bit of a heater here. Episode seven, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. I had it 9.5. Jamie G had it 9.5. 9.5 flat. We loved it. 
Episode eight, I will take you by the hand and keep you. I had it 9.3, Jimmy G at 9.2, 9.25. So still very high, just a touchdown from the high of episode seven there. And finally, the season finale, episode nine, wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. We both gave a 9.7 overall. So our favorite episode of the season, again, almost all of our favorite episodes coming towards the end. Our three favorites were seven, eight, and nine. Six was our fourth favorite. So really episode five, interlude five was kind of the only one that was kind of down with the first half or so. Uh, any overall thoughts on this one, Jamie G? We kind of pretty much matched up with uh, what the IMDb ratings were for, although they did have episode eight as their highest, but we had it in our third highest. Look, man. We kind of said all along the show got better, the season got better as as it went along, and that's been kind of a trend with them um, throughout the first couple of seasons. So I think it tracks pretty well, man. I don't I don't think we were too high on anything. I think the ones where we went really high, rightfully so, they were like out some probably the best episodes the show has ever done, right? So they're kind of worthy of those grades. Yeah, I, I think they are worthy. They're definitely not Wayne's World. You know, they're they're not not worthy. I think they are worthy. And I think we did a good job. Maybe a little bit high, but again, we like to show enough to do a podcast, do a show about it. So you have to imagine we're going to be pretty high on the, the most part on, you know, a show that we're going to talk about. But definitely worth some lower points and some higher points. You know, I wouldn't say every episode is a complete, you know, uh, to quote the soup deuce or knock your dick in the dirt kind of episode. A lot of good ones and a couple of great ones. It's the time. We're going to grade this season, season three of the Righteous Gemstones. On a scale of zero to ten gemstones is our grading system. Magnum Mills, drop a grade on them. Going nine flat. That's right in line with our kind of overall series or season grade here. I think 9.0 gemstones. Very fair. Very good. Hopefully giving them a little bit of room to grow in season four, hopefully. How about yourself? Love it. Well, to honor the late great bob barker rest in peace price is right i'm gonna price is right yet i'm going 9.1 9.1 gemstones well it's better than one really it's one dollar bob it's just one but you are right the price is right thing is uh you do go up by one so obviously we really love this one and i think that's about it man i I think that's probably officially a wrap on this season of Romancing the Gemstones. Um, unless you got anything else, I don't think we're going to be covering gemstones for a while here. We will definitely be getting to season four when it gets there, but that's not going to be for a minute. We're going to be doing tons of stuff in the meantime. And next offseason, maybe we'll get back around to doing the first two seasons. We'll see how it goes. So, you know, they keep making great TV. There's tons of sports. There's so much to talk about, but we'd love to get back around to them someday. So, uh, anything to add, JBG? No, just thankful for the show. Uh, glad they're doing a season four. I really felt they could have ended it right there, the way season three ended, and I wouldn't have complained at all. So excited to see them kind of come back from that and put together another outstanding season. And excited to be doing another Romance in the Gemstones here uh, as we as we roll along. So don't you worry. We'll catch you. We'll get fired up as that thing gets announced. We'll probably do a preview show or two. Um, uh, you know. But until then, catch us on another shit. Make sure you don't miss any of our other shit, all right? And so how do you do that? You don't forget the flaps. Super critical. It's of critical importance. You follow, like, and please subscribe. Flaps, killer acronym. We're going to keep flapping you with it every single time. Thank you guys for checking us out. Thanks for enjoying the Righteous Gemstones with us. This has been a ton of fun doing it. We love the interaction. Please 
Let us know if there's something we missed, anything you liked. Give us your grade. You know, we, we, we'd love to see that. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys. We'll, we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Follow, like, please subscribe. We do a bunch of shit. See us at Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. See us at the Joe Blow Football Show. See us at any of the other things that you'll get from there. There's a bunch. Magnum Mills, I probably missed something. Maybe I skimped on it. Maybe I didn't. Uh, you did a, a pretty good job there, sir. And um, maybe Halloween's going to be here before, you know. I want to see those Uncle Baby Billy Halloween costumes. Hit us up on the social media. I want to see everybody out there rocking Uncle Baby Billy, especially some Bible Bonkers gear at Halloween time. Would love to see that. And uh, like the man said, this has been Romancing the Gemstones, presented by Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Find us wherever you get your pods and on YouTube, on social media, at Dudes Watch Stuff. Don't forget the flaps like the man said. If you had fun, give us that thumb. And thank you very much, like he said, just for checking us out, for enjoying the show, for interacting, all that good stuff. It's great. It's so much fun. We really appreciate it. And I just want to say on behalf of myself, Magna Mills, and Jamie G, take this away. If you take one thing away, just know that you need to live your best life, and you do that by living it big Uncle Baby Billy style. That's where it's at, man. Big Uncle Baby Billy. We love you. Bye, Felicia.